Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, Carlos, we have the great Dave Burkett here to join us again. It's a momentous occasion, and um, and I want to get Dave's thoughts right out of the bat on this occasion. Dave, first of all, thanks for joining us. And what do you make of Carlos writing a column about whether somebody should lose their job or not, and then not really saying? Do you, do you, do you, do you see that as growth? Do you see that as becoming an adult? I mean, I, I'm curious, Dave, what, what's your take on that? I don't know. I, you know, let's uh, just so the, the listeners know this is early in the morning. I just dropped my kids off at school. One of them is in the orthodontist right now. So I haven't got around to reading all my, uh, my, uh, you know, usual stuff. So I haven't read Carlos's column yet. It was but fantastic. Fact, I, I believe it was fantastic. But the fact that you tell me that he didn't take a, a, a stand on, on what, you know, what should be done. I guess I'm not totally surprised, Carlos. You can't fence ride. Come on, man. We're going to, oh, we want oh opinions, well, this is opinions this, out of you. This is this is the problem with Sean Windsor is that <laughs> he criticizes me all the time for oh, you can't be a meanie. You can't call for people's jobs. That's just being a bad person. How dare you? And actually, I did make an opinion. My opinion was don't fire him yet. That was the opinion. It's like there's two there opinions: fire him or don't fire him. And Maybe Sean did. A re- Maybe Sean was at the orthodontist because I don't think he read the whole thing either. No, I read it. He, he, Dave, he did say it's it's not quite time yet, and I was proud of him. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm glad you're here to celebrate. Well, that, that is growth. It, then. That it, is it's growth, a huge yeah. growth. It's it's incredible growth, and uh, and I'm very proud of him. Yeah. No, I mean, look, uh, you know, I think everyone knows evil Carlos. Um, you know, would would take the opposite <laughs> opinion unless it was Matt Patricia, who somehow he defended for whatever his you know entire career in Detroit, even though he didn't deserve it. Um, well, that was but, the opposite coach, opinion. That was the yeah, coach. Opinion. Coach Matt yeah. Patricia, to you, okay? Coach Matt yeah, Patricia. He ain't my coach. That's for <sighs> sure. So. <laughs> oh, uh, let, 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 let me ask you this, Dave, because and I know you didn't read the column, but Carlos made a. Um, the the one thing that the, other than the the growth, which is always yeah. obvious, uh, you know, fabulous. I think, and again, we're we're here for you, Carlos. Uh, it, keep doing it, man. It's it's an awesome thing to watch. But in all seriousness, Carlos mentioned Dave that he had no problems with the way uh, Glenn was Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, the lines obviously was calling the game, and um, that probably to be the one one thing I would disagree with him in the column. I, I I don't I don't think it makes a lot of sense to keep coming. The blitz rate, the blitz rate on third down, the blitz percentages rather, and the way they're doing it from so far outside and leaving themselves vulnerable up the middle, and sometimes even getting pinned in the outside, which leaves even more room further outside. And we saw that over and over and over again against um, who do, who do they just play that we all sit there and watch against Seattle? Sorry, I'm just curious what you think of the way Glenn's calling the games. Well, I mean, look, I th- think you can you know, quibble with play calls from every coordinator and every team in the league on both sides of the ball. I think, you know, Dan Orlovsky, you know, tweeted something out just, uh, you know, some all 22 film um, this morning or last night of, of uh, you know, a, a 
uh, second and long play call, the, the pass to DK Metcalf. And, and he was like, he said something to the effect of, you know, I, I feel like I'm watching Matt Patricia's defense again, where some of these, your play calls don't make sense. They don't match up. Like, why are you in single high safety in a second and long when, you know, you played so much man coverage and, and Geno Smith has already, you know, broke a couple of big runs on you. So um, I, I think if you go back and watch the tape, you can certainly find fault with, with some of Aaron Glenn's play calls. I will say, you know, on, on par, you know, I, I do like Aaron Glenn's aggressiveness. Um, I like his approach. Um, but, you know, if we're being honest, uh, you know, he shares in, in you know, uh, the blame of what's going on defensively. And the Lions are, you know, they, they rent glass in just about every defensive category. Um, certainly they, they lack playmakers on all three levels. And uh, I think that's, you know, will continue to be an issue all year. But Aaron Glenn and, and you know, his staff sharing the blame of, of what what has gone on because of their game planning. Oh, so so one thing is, you know, that I didn't get into the column too much. And and uh, I kind of wish I had a little bit more. But um, Dave, you can probably speak to this more is unlike last year, right? When when Campbell goes away from Anthony Lynn, he takes over the offense, but he also uses Ben Johnson as a passing game coordinator de facto. Right. Well, he can't really do that this time. He can't take over the defense. He's not a defensive coach. Uh, uh, so the question is really like who's – if you get rid of Anthony Lynn, who is your replacement for him? Um, who is there a Ben Johnson beautiful mind waiting in the wings? Um, or are you just taking one bandaid off and putting on another? Is there, is there someone else on that coaching staff you think who could step in and do a better job? Well, Carlos, I'm glad to hear you say that, you know, he's, he's an offensive guy, so he can't coach defense. So I expect you to take that same approach with Matt Patricia. He doesn't have enough experience. That's the problem. You know, if he gets a few years of uh, head coaching experience under him, then I think he can. Yeah. And okay. also, if he played defense in college like Matt Patricia or played offense, then maybe he has more credentials. Yeah, Division three football, right? Where, yeah, okay. Rocket, um, rocket science, okay. Right. No, you're right. Um, all right. Uh, Todd Walsh. Wait, is the did obvious. you just say he was right? No, no, I said right. Okay. Like, let's okay. move on. Yeah. yeah like, dismissive. On. It was a dismissive right. <laughs> oh, I, I know. No, I, I, just, I want you I to bring that same stunned to hear those two words. Patricia, Carlos, bring that same energy against Patricia this week. Um, look, the, uh, you know, Todd Wash on the line staff, defensive line coach. Um, he's the obvious replacement, you know, for a defensive coordinator. And, and I need to qualify that by saying Aaron Glenn is not going anywhere, nor do I think he should, Carlos, you and I are in agreement. So you are right about that. But Todd Walsh is, you know, he was a longtime defensive coordinator in Jacksonville. Um, if you go back, you know, five years, I mean, Todd Walsh was a guy that when Jacksonville's defense was humming, people thought he might be a head coach at some point. Um, I would think that, you know, if they wanted that, sort of, you know, in-house setup, someone gets promoted. When we were talking about Aaron Glenn maybe getting a, a head coaching job this offseason, Todd Walsh was the, the next in line guy. You know, a lot of people think it's Aubrey Pleasant. And I do think, you know, Aubrey is another guy that, you know, has a, a chance to be that guy. And, and certainly he interviewed for defensive coordinator spots um, this offseason as well. But I think Todd is, is probably next in line, and especially given, you know, some of the struggles the Lions have had in, in their secondary. So um, it's certainly a little bit different, right? I mean, offense is, you know, you're very much on the attack. You're, you're very much um, creating, you know, all the, the different looks and plays that you're trying to confuse the defense with. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I don't know um, exactly how Todd Wash's uh, approach would be different than, 
than uh, than Aaron Glenn's. I guess I'd, I'd have to go back and watch some Jacksonville film to 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 figure that out. But I think you know the Lions do have some some experienced coaches on on staff um, who might be able to to help in the game planning and help in the coordinating of the defense if it came to that. Speaking of speaking of watching film, just just a quick point. Just speaking of uh, watching films, I like how Dave mentioned that he watched. You know, all of Dan Orlovsky's all 22 breakdown, all of his tweets, everything. But he didn't have time to read my column. So, um, no, thank you. Thank you. for It that. was it was Twitter, Carlos. It was Twitter yeah. and I was in the car. So no, thank yeah, you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. No, no we have a uh, we have an app called Freep.com. You can probably access in your <laughs> car as well. Subscribe. You know, if well, you want to learn about Freep.com, then I have some issues because right now my login is not working. So the only way I can get on to our, our subscriber stories is, is through our desktop. So yeah, I will, that's, I will a, tell that's you another the, story. Sorry for another day. No, so, no, okay. It's been going on for months. As, so. as our tech department used to tell me, it's not the plane, it's the pilot. So okay, probably. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that sounds like an issue for Anjanette Delgado. I don't know why you're not on that, uh, Anjanette, but maybe, maybe, maybe we can help Dave It's been out. happening for months. It's been happening for months. Come on. Right. We can't let Dave float in the wind like this. By the way, I, I totally understand the choice you want to learn about football or you want to learn about Carlos. that's right i thought it was funny when he said oh i wish i'd mentioned this in the column well maybe if he hadn't spent the first third of it saying i think this about oh maybe yeah, journalists I, should I, I i i oh it's anytime my you duty. see a headline about i think this yeah like, why it's this is what i think this it's is, my duty surprise me no to, Carlos if somebody it, needs to be nervous. fired it's my duty to have say they need to be fired it's my duty dave how do you Dave, how do you pronounce my last name? Carlos Minares. That's right. And that's you right. must have slept yeah. through that day in J school. Yeah. When you don't make so, the stories about yourself. Yeah. So. so no, I don't blame you, Dave. You wanted to learn something about football and, and that's cool. <laughs> you know, you know enough about Carlos. Maybe not enough. Right. Uh, Carlos is. Wait, wait, you're saying learn about football cat. or Dan Orlovsky <laughs> in the same sentence. Okay. <laughs> he does a great job with those breakdowns. Yeah, he does. But that's okay, Carlos. Yeah, they're uh, 90, yeah. 99% Matt Stafford uh, propaganda, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, well, hey, Dave, I'm there for all the Dan Orlovsky, Richard Sherman you know, fight tweets. I'm, I'm there for Feuds? all. Of it. Yeah. All right. You know, next time I, I talk to Dan, I'll, uh, I'll bring that up. I, you know, I haven't seen him stick up for or, or go against Stafford in a while, but we all know him and Stafford are good buddies. So, yeah. Again, it's one of those things that people sort of understand that Carlos has to say, hey, no, people really don't understand and they won't until I tell them. All right. Let's get back to, uh, <laughs> let's get back to, uh, this defense, Dave, because yeah. it's never one person's fault, right? And we could talk about Glenn. I, 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 Carlos and I were talking about this during the game, or maybe, excuse me, it was after the game when the quotes came out from the Seattle locker room from uh, Rashard Penny, the, the Seahawks running back, who mentioned that there were a few times where they kind of saw what was coming and they adjusted at the line. And, you know, a couple of those plays were touchdown runs where he wasn't touched, right? The uh, the third down play after the refs kind of uh, reset the clock and the fans went crazy and so forth. That one really stands out. But but what do you say to that? I mean, I like the aggressiveness too, but you kind of you got to have some unpredictability mixed in with that, right? And um and maybe a little bit better fits. Yeah, and look, I I think you know Dan acknowledged that in his his news conference yesterday, right? Like, hey, that that was an issue, right? They they hit him twice. Uh, you know, maybe in some of those third and long situations that, you know, Campbell said after the game that, you know, Seattle hadn't shown a, a willingness to do on film at all. Uh, the, the long run on, on third and 16 that, that went for a touchdown, um, you know, being one of them. Um, and so now it's on film, right? And, and now the Lions are aware that that's how teams are going to attack them. And, and so maybe they should have been aware of that, um, you know, from from the jump, but they hadn't been bid on, on those sort of uh, you know, plays before and, and now it is. And, and so now other teams and, 
uh, you know, Matt Patricia and, and the Patriots this weekend will will be looking to expose the Lions the same way. So you would expect that the Lions would have some solutions for that. Maybe it's not, you know, a, a zero blitz with, uh, you know, when you're on the fringes of field goal range and you have a running quarterback. I mean, maybe we can we can all, uh, you know, say that that there's an issue there that, you know, you get five yards and all of a sudden it's a more makeable field goal. So you want to you want to protect a little bit against that. But your point, Sean, I think is is valid that, look, you know, maybe the Lions need to be, um, Shane Waldron and the Seahawks seem to be one step ahead of Aaron Glenn and in, in the Lions defense all game Sunday. And, uh, you know, that's certainly an issue for any coach. Hey, so obviously, uh, fit design, predictability, unpredictability, all that, but what about, um, I mean, the personnel, I mean, that's obviously an issue too, right? They, they, they just, they don't have enough difference makers. Look, I think that's the, the bigger issue, right? We talk about Aaron Glenn and, and again, I, 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 certainly he hasn't done a great job, but, you know, um, I think he is the, the right guy for the job right now. And I, I do think he's a good coach, but the biggest issue that they have right now is a lack of playmakers on defense. And I think that's all three levels and you can throw in a lack of depth there too. And, you know, to me, part of that is you spend second round picks on Levi Anzarike and Josh Pascal who have not played it down this season. Right. And we're supposed to be important parts of your defensive line. And you spend a third round pick on a Fatu Melifanu who hasn't, you know, played any defense essentially this season. And, you know, maybe injuries are a part of this. And, you know, Brad Holmes said that the Lions were, were aware of, of the injury history, especially with the two defensive linemen. So um, it's something that that maybe they should have taken more into account. And I just don't think that you can waste a second round pick on an injured player when you are at the stage of the rebuild that the Lions are when you have those players for so few years, you know, and when you need so much help on defense. So I think that those decisions have certainly contributed to the Lions' lack of personnel on defense. Um, and then it's it's tough to find those blue-chip players, those true difference makers. It, it really is. And maybe Hutchinson becomes one. You know, I think he's done some good things so far, but he needs to be a little more consistent. Uh, you know, Jeff Okuda has certainly played better at cornerback, but he is not – um, you know, in that lockdown, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey creating turnovers sort of stage of his career yet. So um, the Lions, uh, I think personnel is the biggest issue that they face on defense. And of course, that is not going to get better overnight. That's not going to get better the rest of the season. Well, well, the, the, I think I was, I think I was kicked off because Dave was uh, going after his BFF Brad Holmes. So I don't think he wanted me to comment uh, on what, what he was, how mean he was being to his, to his guy over there. But I mean, Dave, Dave, Hey, I, I give him credit, Sean. I mean, unlike your columns, he actually wrote something meaningful and hard about Brad Holmes and said, he, he said exactly that about Anzu, Anzu, Anwu Zarike and Josh Pascal. And it's true. I mean, that that's where we don't know is, I mean, that, and that's one of my defenses a little bit about Aaron Glenn is he's only playing with the hand that he was dealt. So if these guys are hurt, what's he supposed to do, right? I mean, Anwu Zarike is, really i mean the dude's headed to busville you know i mean he didn't do anything last year he's been hurt this year you could see it in in dan campbell's face yesterday when we were asking and it's just like there's nothing moving it, it just seems like there's no way this guy's is on this guy's on the team next year so the question is how much is this really like i mean ultimately brad holmes is responsible for making this these decisions it comes with input from his personnel staff um but yeah, I mean, in this stage, the only way it seems to me like you make these kind of decisions on let's take a gamble on these guys, Jameson Williams to a lesser extent, but he is he, he's not shy about taking these injured players high in the draft. It's if someone has told him, whether it's Sheila, Ford Hamp or whatever, saying, 
you don't have to worry for three years, maybe four. This is going to be a slow process. I want you to build it the right way. If you can go get these people, these guys, and they're really good players, but it's going to take them a year, maybe two to get on the field. That's okay. If you really, really believe in them. But right now, it just feels, and I, and I, noticed, I even with the defense being, I, I don't think everybody thought they were going to be a ton better, but somewhat better, maybe middle of the pack because they're not, because they're so far away from that and the worst in the NFL and all this stuff, they're missing an opportunity. And I think you, I think Dan Campbell senses that like if our defense was just a little better and forget all of Garrett, Jared Goff's stupid, Oh, I didn't throw that pick or what? Yeah, whatever. You know, like, yeah, you can't be perfect, but but they're really missing an opportunity to win. They could have won Sunday's game. They could have won in Minnesota. We're going to see what happens in, in, in New England. Now, now, Dave, do you think Aaron Glenn, do you think the one thing I said was you got to wait till after the bye, give them the bye, give them a couple more games after that. That's really when they can really sit down and really think about what needs to change. Do you think he's safe for the whole season? Or do you think maybe I think about midway through the season as a fair point to kind of assess is this the guy should we move away from him and bring you know make a change but do you think he's safe for the whole season well look um first carlos you're 100 right about what you said about you know sort of um first time in your life but um about you know what you were saying about you know brad and and sort of the the state of the defense and those picks i mean ultimately it comes down to players and dan campbell seems sad like when he was asked about levi on monday like it was just one of those like forlorn looks like man we he's not getting better you know it, it resigned to the fact that he wasn't going to get anything out of a second round pick this year and I think when it comes down to that look like you can take a chance on Jamison Williams because Jamison Williams is you know has elite talent right and you need those guys on your team and so I know people will quibble with well you know maybe 32 and 34 there was more value we get more immediate impact well that's a roll of the dice I think that's that's worth taking because um, you know, again, you, you need difference makers to win and sort of the, the, the long runway that they, they do have, but it's different in round two because you can get good players. Levi owns Rike. I don't think the, the talent is, is, um, you know, significantly better than, you know, what the alternatives were at that position or at that spot in the draft. Uh, and given the fact that you only have four years to, to, uh, of control of, of second round picks. I just don't think that's, that's something that's, um, you know, was a wise roll of the dice for, for the Lions to take. Now back to your, your question about Aaron Glenn. Um, I, you know, again, I think Aaron Glenn is a good coach. I, I realize people are on him right now and everyone wants to see something different and, but, um, in, in, you know, maybe it's, it's heightened because Ben Johnson and the offensive looks so good after the offense was so terrible the first, you know, half of last season and, and people are looking for that, um, you know, the solutions like that, that can turn things around quickly, but, you know, coaches can only be as good as, as their players a lot of times. And uh, it certainly is the coach's responsibility to put their players in the right spots. And, and maybe Aaron isn't, isn't doing that enough, right? Maybe he's, uh, that defense is a little more complicated than it should be with some things. And that's sort of what Dan alluded to on Monday, but um, I think Aaron Glenn has this entire season to sort of get this fixed. You, you look at what he did last year, you know, that defense played pretty well the second half of last season. Um, so I think um, I, I wouldn't be in any rush to get rid of a, a guy that I think is a pretty good coach that players respond to. Um, that's not to say you're going to keep him, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, going forward <clears throat> if, if things don't get better. Um you know, for, for many years to come, but I, I wouldn't be in any rush to get rid of Aaron Glenn midway through this season. 
Well, I would I would also point out real quickly because we want to take a break and and get to the offense and no, we don't. We want to keep going on defense. What are you talking uh, about? As uh, Carl said, the as Carl said to talk about Mr. Johnson, the genius Mr. Johnson, doing good. you, You can hear the cynicism. You can hear the cynicism in his voice already because people are starting to like him. He's like, no, 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 nobody can like anybody. I'm going to have to tear that down. <laughs> Here's the thing, Dave. They were okay against Washington. I know Washington's offense isn't all that good. They were okay against Washington, and they were reasonable against the Vikings until Tracy Walker went down. And then there, all of a sudden there's miscommunications in the back end, and the, you know the, the winning touchdown was a wide-open catch because uh, a couple of players thought they were supposed to be in different places. I'm not going to pin that all on Walker, but there was a little bit of a stretch there from from one Sunday through most of the next Sunday where they were at least okay. And um, and then it's fallen apart since Walker. And, the, you know, it's just a domino. So maybe it's not Walker per se, but the domino effect of that, coupled with the fact that Hutchinson, and I'm curious what you think about this. Maybe we can talk about this after the break, but coupled with the fact that Hutchinson, to me, looks physically overwhelmed. And I'm curious what you think about that. And I want to hear Carl's opinion on that. But before we get there, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carl's and Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Uh, we left off with um, Aiden Hutchinson before we get to the, the offense, because Carlson loves to talk about Jared Goff. Dave, uh, what, what do you think? Because from what I see, uh, Hutchinson just doesn't look physically uh ready just yet to do anything more than just kind of take up space on the field aside from the the couple of sack three sack game he had against commanders well yeah i mean look you know i think it's tough obviously for for rookies to make you know huge impacts uh so i say that and i think back to michael parsons and how dominant he was last year look (laughs) i I think i think aiden is it's you know we're four games into his career so i'm i'm not making any rash judgments on, on Aiden. I, I do think, you know, we, Carlos, you and I talked about that in the press box, like as, af, right after he had those three sacks, like most of those weren't him winning. Like there was a cleanup sack and, you know, Chris board had a pressure and Charles Harris had a pressure and Carson Wentz just kind of fell onto his lap one time. And, you know, one was very, very much schemed up by, by Todd Wash and or Aaron Glenn. So um, I don't know that he's winning at the level that you expect the number two, overall pick to win in the pass rush department right now. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's, I think he's doing some good things up front. You know, the coaches at least say that uh, when it comes to, you know, his assignment and um, sort of being that, you know, forced defender on the run, at least holding the edge, doing some things that he needs crashing when he's supposed to, um, that he's and Aiden said this last week, you know, that, that, you know, he felt better about his game last week this is talking about the Vikings game, then maybe he did about that three sack game just because he was so assignment sound and he was doing the things that he needed to. So I think there are still a lot of things maybe that we don't um, understand or know that, you know, he's being asked to do that. He's doing exactly what he should. Um, and when you play with some of that relentlessness and, you know, play through the injuries and, and do some of those things, I think that's a good thing for the Lions defense. But here, 
but here's the thing, right? Is what were what was Campbell talking about Monday when about all the difference, the deep yeah. dive and the difference different things he's going to do. One of the yep, things he right. brought up was Aiden Hutchinson is moving him around, maybe going, I don't know, someone brought up, maybe if he goes to a two point stance, like he did in Michigan or whatever. Um, so, so there's something there, right? Like he's obviously he's not, there's not a problem with him, No, but it hints to the idea that they're not getting as much. Maybe well, you, you know what could popped into of, my right? head was um, keeping him on the edge more as a rusher, especially in sub packages. So he gets single matchups instead of moving him inside. So he's getting double teamed a lot. And yeah. when you have an on Zarike that can play inside or when Josh Paschal is back uh, or, you know, even John Kaminsky, when you wait, when you have an Owen Zarike, well, I'm, I'm saying a player side and look 2030 like or Paschal or even John Kaminsky, when you have more of those players that, can play inside and sub packages that gives you more options with okay. Aiden to keep him outside. And maybe that makes him right. a, a better pass rusher because he's getting some of those, those one-on-one matchups. So that was, that was the first thing that popped into my head when, when Dan was talking about that was, Hey, we need to free Aiden up a little bit more because he is our best pass rusher um, to, to help him get after the quarterback and, and not try to scheme something up for a Julian Aquara or an Austin Bryant. We want to scheme something up for our best guys. Do we agree? Do we, Carlos, do we agree that he needs to get stronger? And that's a good, that's a, right. I think that's fair too, Sean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, he does. And that, and that's the thing I, I wrote, I wrote this before, like in camp or something, whatatever. And, and, uh, <laughs> you were there the one twice. day I was at camp. Come on. I think I wrote this something about that. Sean uh, was there once. Twice. Yeah, Sean thank was you there very once. much. Wow. Dave's taking attendance. Not only <laughs> Dave takes attendance, not only for the well, I just know because the, the you bring donuts who shows up. It's like I you feel it. it's like you're you, you you feel guilty that you haven't shown up in a while. So you're like, I'm gonna bring donuts for everyone. So I thought I thought it was that he felt guilty because he didn't really like football. <laughs> I buy uh, I buy people's love with uh, sugary treats, but but that but but I wrote that about Hutchinson was that he's kind of small and I meant girth size and and people are like he's like 6'10 and whatever you know and they're like yeah yeah okay that's not exactly it didn't get into the whole measurement and you know bicep but that was the whole thing right the bench press thing you know I mean I think he will grow into his body more and fill out and you know there's always a there's always a little uh, uh balance right between being strong but still being limber and fast enough and all that but but I think I think we'll see it a little bit more um and that but but that's a really good question this is the kind of stuff that we don't see that obviously Daniel Campbell is aware well aware of is let's say Aaron Glenn would like to have him outside right on rushing downs and stuff but if you don't have that inside presence with a Pascal or Onwuzurike or whatever, you know, then you can't do it. You know, like as much as I want Sean Windsor to write a decisive, strong column, I can't do it if I don't have a Carlos Menares who can do that too on the, uh, you know, from the other side. So you can only do what you, what you can with the chips that you have. And if he doesn't have the right guys in place that limits his what he can do that's and they're not going to come out there and say well if we had on Zurique, we could do this but we don't have you know they don't talk that way like well you know excuses are for weak people and uh no finger pointing on whatever you know football cliches i saw a stat um you know this was maybe one of the espn analytics guys that had, had tweeted something out about this that um you know uh aiden hutchinson I don't remember the exact rate, but he was like near the top of the NFL in, in terms of the double teams that he faced. 
And a lot of that comes from being inside, right? I mean, you're just naturally, there's, there's, there's three guys inside that you're trying to beat instead of, you know, uh, when you're just one-on-one against a tackle and look, Aiden plays plenty on the edge too. So I'm, I'm not saying that I'm just, you know, some of these, um, you know, obvious third down, you know, nickel situations where you just pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. Um, you know, maybe that's, that's part of it. So, and Sean, to your point, like about him getting stronger, like I, I think there's, I think that's valid. I, I would just say that and you guys know this, right? Like there's just a different grown man strength that you get, you know, as your body matures and Aiden's still a young player. And so, um, I don't think he's um, weak by NFL standards, but, you know, if we're talking about him two years from now versus what he is now, like, I, I think, you know, he's just going to be bigger and, and better and stronger. And maybe, and maybe he gets there on the other hand. I mean, the, the, the player that I liked at the draft was, um, was sauce Gardner who's by the way, playing at a pro bowl level. And if you think about, of course, of course, Sean liked the guy who was playing the board. No, no, no. I told I, Dave and I talked about this. He was the guy, he was the guy that, uh, that I liked a lot because it's just <clears throat> if you think about what AJ Brown did, what you saw Metcalf do a couple of times, if you got somebody out there like that, it didn't have to be Gardner, but just, I mean, yeah. I, I get it that you want to get to the quarterback, <clears throat> but with so many mobile quarterbacks these days and guys that can buy a little bit of extra time, you know, it's just as important to, to be able to have guys stay or running back or excuse me, cornerbacks stay with receivers. Right, Dave. I mean, it's the game's changing so- a little bit. It's, it is, it's funny you bring up sauce. Cause I, for my, my power rankings, I was, you know, just sort of doing a, uh, you know, looking at the quarter pole of the season, right. And handing out some awards. And I admittedly, I have not watched sauce Gardner much. Right. But I know he was playing well, or I'd heard somebody say he was playing well. And I looked up his numbers. He's, he's allowed a hundred, the passer rating against is a hundred right now through four games on sauce Gardner. So if we're talking about him being a difference maker that Aiden hasn't quite been yet. I, I think we need to pump the brakes there. You know, we see, we tend to see the the flaws of the guys that we watch all the time um, a lot more than we do, you know, some of these other people. So I it's I would true. say pass rush um, trumps coverage ability. Uh, though yes, you certainly need to be able to cover some people in the back end, and the Lions have not shown the ability to do that. I think Amani Awarie has had a disappointing season so far. Well, here's the here's the other question with with we're talking about draft is does Brad Holmes have a rule that you cannot draft a defensive back earlier than the third round? Or I mean, like the guys he's drafted, Kirby Joseph and and uh, and Melifonwu, you know, the third rounders are not doing much. They're either hurt or they're they're not they're not making a difference. I mean, but does he? Do you know if he has a philosophical thing that I don't like to draft cornerbacks, especially, but defensive backs early because um, they get hurt too much or whatever? Or because it looks like he, I mean, the guys he has are not his draft picks right now. Yeah. So look, I, I think, and I, I should have maybe backtracked this when we were talking about, you know, Brad earlier too, like, you know, and you guys know this, but for everyone out there, right. Like we're 18 months or 20 months into his tenure as GM, you know, and, and the Lions were a bad team. So there's Uh-oh, a lot Carlos. of fixing that they Uh-oh, had to do on, on both sides of the ball. It doesn't happen overnight, <laughs> but, but no, but I mean, it's, it's look, the it, it, Carlos, t- I, I do think, um, when it comes to safeties, you know, Brad had a ton of success. The Rams had a ton of success drafting late round safeties. You look at some of the guys that have started for them over the years. They were third round picks and fourth round picks and sixth round picks. And so that's one of the positions that, um, you know, in Brad's, Brad's head, you know, he, he thinks that you can get that you can find a capable NFL starter later in the draft that you don't have to take someone that high. I don't think the same applies for cornerback, um, but you know, you're right. The Lions haven't really spent that high of a pick on one yet. 
but they've had so many other so many other issues and, and Brett certainly believes in, in, in building you know the beef up front on, on both sides of the ball so I think that's taken precedent here the first two years and right now he hasn't either he has he doesn't have on de, on defense he doesn't I mean Hutchinson is the one guy yeah. but he's the number two overall pick uh but yeah he doesn't but he's tried, he's, right? Aleem and Levi and Pascal and, and Hutch. I mean, that's four picks in the first, whatever Aleem was. I don't know, first 75 right. picks over the past two drafts he spent on defensive line. Yeah, well, that and that's the problem, right? Is the through, and you're right, it's early, but in the first two years so far, it doesn't look like he's getting done what he needs to get done on defense. Um, so, right. That's, that's going to be a concern. Um, and so, hey, uh, uh, one thing is you, I don't think you answered the question I had about Aaron Glenn and that, do you think they stick with him the whole year or does do. they do even, even if they come out of the bye and they're still struggling just as bad, the numbers still look bad and people and the, the, the chorus for firing Glenn grows louder by the week. Do you think that that's he, Campbell has the, the stones to stick with him and like, no, I'm, I'm writing this thing through the end of the year. Yeah, I do. when you're losing games, you know, I, when you're like losing said, games by three points and you're scoring 35, 36 points a game. Well, let me say this because, you know, I, I asked Carlos, you, you did stop out for about 10 minutes Monday for a press conference and then you bailed before the uh, the players came. But I, I did say something. To Josh. I brought donuts. I brought donuts. Yeah, he no, he did bring donuts. So I forgive him. <laughs> but, um. you know, I, I did ask Josh Reynolds that like, hey, you know, like you guys, I mean, you have a kind of historic offense here, the chance to be one, right? Like this is on par with what the Rams were doing a few years back. Like what's the pressure to not squander that? I, and I think there, there, there is right. Like you don't want to look back on this season and be an offense that averages 30 couple points a game and finish six and 11. Like that doesn't look good on anyone. And there's no guarantee that you're able to sustain this type of offense going forward as, as people age and, you know, other teams catch up with what you're doing. And, and so I, I think there, there is, some pressure on this team to, Hey, we have a really, really good offense and we need to make the most of it. Um, but Carlos, um, I, I just don't think that I don't, I don't think that there's a change, um, of coordinator that would make that much difference. Even if they're losing, I think, you know, maybe there was a little, it was a little different last year. Ben Johnson was this young guy had never been in a spot before. You want to see what you have there. You know, Todd Walsh was a defensive coordinator in Jacksonville again for five or six years. You sort of know what he is if you want to go that route. Um, I think um, Aaron Glenn is a good coach. I think Dan has given him and will give him a long leash because he trusts him uh, and he likes what he can do and he likes the relationship he has with his players. They need to be more productive. They need to have more success on that side of the ball. But I don't think, um, you know, the, the story on what he's going to be as a D.C. will be written uh, until after this season. I think that one one my my take on this is just that uh you know if I if Campbell gives some a reasonable amount of time a few more games coming out of the bye and nothing has changed then he really has to think long and hard about the pressure you know when you're if it, if this trend keeps up and you keep losing little by uh, but just by a few points and like you said squandering you know this kind of opportunity on offense it seems it's going to seem so um, pig headed on his part. So stubborn that, that a lot of that criticism is going to turn toward Campbell and let's face it. Also, he's got a boss 
She owns the team. Right. And you can't just keep saying, well, I really believe in AG. I really love, you know, Aaron. I believe in him. And that can be true. And that's why I asked that question about separating the difference between your respect for the person and your making that hard objective decision on something has to change. And that's that's part of the whole thing, by the way, of not pointing fingers and keeping the team together is if you're not changing anything significant, if you're just moving, rearranging the, the deck chairs in the Titanic by moving, you know, Hutchinson outside or doing this or doing that, playing a different nickel, whatever, you know, players will lose confidence. You know, they're like, well, what are we doing? You know, we're something, you know, so at least, and unfortunately this is part of the politics and the optics of the NFL is you sometimes have to make these moves, have a sacrificial lamb, whether it's Aaron Glenn, whether it, maybe it's someone else, maybe it's uh, you know, whatever, Robert Pleasant or the linebacker coach or, you know, chef, I don't know, someone, you got to throw somebody to the wolves to make it at least seem like you're trying to change things. You know, if changing the players and changing the, the scheme a little bit hasn't worked, you got to do something different. So, so unfortunately, Aaron might be the, you know, the sacrificial lamb there, but I, I can also see where it, it might happen. You know, if this keeps up a few games into after the bye. Hey, two, two points on that. Um, one, you know, last year it happened. The Lions had a bye at week eight. And so it was sort of a natural time to do it right midway through the season. They had extra time. Um, that's not the case this year. You know, buy is after this Patriots game. And, and maybe, you know, maybe people will be up in arms if the Lions lose to the Patriots with a third string quarterback and, a, you know, failed head coach that was here, you know, calling plays. Like, really that, good that offensive, play, offensive yeah, line. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Um, you know, maybe maybe that would, you know, get people going a little crazy. But I, uh, you know, we are we're four games into the season here. Right. And this is a Lions team that Carlos, you know, go back to maybe the last time I was on the pod and, and you you thought they were going to win six games. Right. And, and, yeah. you know, I thought they were going to win seven. And so it's, I don't think most people didn't look at this team and say, you know, this is an 11 win team. And now all of a sudden the, the defense is letting them down. Like we knew they were going to be growing pains on that side of the ball. Uh, we knew they, they, you know, they, they lack talent on that side of the ball. So I think we have to let this thing play out a little bit to see what fixes are made and to see, um, you know, how they respond and if they can maybe salvage something on that, that defense to, uh, you know, make the most of what looks to be a pretty damn good offense. Dave, I actually, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I sort of agree with Carlos. It, it, oh, it, God, it, you hurt my heart. Yes. If, yes. if <laughs> Team Carlos is winning this uh, decisive, it's a blowout. But, uh, but this, with the, with this qualification, I mean, it, it's got to look like what we just saw, if, it, right, against Seattle. If it looks like that for three or four more games, right? I don't know how he survives. Because that looked like the defense didn't know what it was doing and was completely out of position and completely outfoxed. That's the problem. I think fans will forgive because of the bad luck with injuries, and they're going to start taking it out on Brad Holmes at some point to Carlos's point. But I think fans will forgive the the lack of personnel, lack of talent. You know, hey, let's let Hutchinson gain 20 pounds and see what he can do in a couple of years. They're savvy enough for that. But if they see what they saw this past Sunday for another three or four games, five games and and the and the offense is still putting up 30 a, a game yeah I, I don't see how he survives that I, I, ju I just don't it's gonna look to Carlos's point like um you know he's he's taking care of his pal whether that's fair or not and and it's probably completely unfair but but uh, because Campbell has the guts to do that I would think right and push back against the the fan hatred yeah I mean look Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn are extremely close. So he did that last year. Exactly. So I don't, 
I th- Carlos, I, I, I thought you asked a great question about that yesterday, but um, I, I think people may, may miss it. Like Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn are, are very close. That's why Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn was collecting a check from the Chargers, but he just, him and Dan were so close that he decided to come work for Dan and it just wasn't working. And that's why Dan decided to make that change um, as tough as I'm sure that was for him personally. You're right. Look, if it's one thing, if we're talking like historically bad, like that they are right now, like they were the other day, I just don't. I, you know, they're better than that. I don't think that's sustainable. I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't think that's something that we'll necessarily see again. What if, what if here's a, here's a quick little, what if, you know, uh, the great Matt Patricia's offensive line, what if they hang 40 <laughs> on them this week? I mean, that would be Bailey me, Zappi at quarterback. <laughs> yeah. With, with Bailey Zappi who actually, he, Hey, he came in for Brian Hoyer in green Bay and almost won that game. So they, it was a lot of run. Yes. But, um, if they did that, that would be like the, that would just be the, the straw that broke the camel's back for the Lions fans, right? To, to do this, to, to have Patricia do this to your team with a third string quarterback. Yes, it's in, it's in, you know, Foxborough, whatever, but that's the kind of, and let's not forget these are emotional things, you know, these games. I mean, I, I spent the weekend with Sean's, you know, boys a couple of weeks ago and, and these these fans take it really hard, and Sheila Fordham takes it hard, and it really feels like this could be a wasted opportunity. And let me let me just say this, and th- this is kind of a little bit of a scary thought for Lions fans, maybe, but there's a chance, maybe better than better than maybe not a little chance is the Lions could have two new coordinators next year. This is this would be three year three year year three of the rebuild. They could lose Ben Johnson. They should lose Ben Johnson, in fact. And they might have to, probably might have to replace uh, Anthony Lynn. Can you imagine that? Third year of the rebuild, and you got to start over with two new coordinators. Carlos, um, you know, I I was thinking about that when we were talking earlier in this this pod, and it just didn't come out of my mouth. But you're right. Like, Ben Johnson is... He's gone. I, the NFL is always looking for that that bright young mind, right? Who's the next bright young mind? Who's that next Sean McVay? Who's right? And Kyle Shanahan, whoever it is, and the Lions, you know, they they went with Ben Johnson because they said maybe we have that guy under our nose. And what he's doing with the offense right now, the the points that this team is putting up, um, you know, the the way that they're winning with Jared Goff at quarterback, who was given away by Sean McVay, right? Who no one wanted. Um, you know, and, and look at what they did with, you know, the the cast of, of crew that they had on the field last week. No Amon Ross St. Brown, no DeAndre Swift, no, uh, you know, no DJ Shark. Like, it's that's definitely a feather in Ben Johnson's cap. And if this thing continues to go that way offensively, you can bet he will get some some interviews uh, this offseason. Hey, Dave, because uh, I want to talk about the offense a little bit more. Carl's got his way. That was all defense again. Can, can we keep you around? Just, can we keep you around just for a few more minutes so we can take one more quick break and, and get into Jared? Yeah, let's do it. Get into Jared Goff. All right. We'll be right back uh, with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Hello. I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, Freak beat writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. 
and once in a while they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game on the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. So let's, uh, let's talk offense here for a second, fellas. And Jared Goff, and by the way, let's put this in some quick context. A lot of the league's uh, best passers that we think of are, they're not struggling, but they're having relative to their standards down years. And overall offense is down in the NFL, but there are a handful of teams, the Lions are one of them, with good running games. And we just saw one, actually, Seattle. Um, uh, Cleveland's another example. Atlanta's another example. Miami, you can say whatever you want about Tua, but uh, that are basically good offensive lines, good run games, you know, a certain kind of passing systems. Those are the best, other than Kansas City, those are the best offenses in the league right now, Dave. So is, is Johnson a genius? Or have these guys figured out because they've got great offensive line play and they've gone from there with yep. good running backs. So what's going on exactly in your, your, your opinion? Ben Johnson is a very bright coach. I think, you know, as we talked about last segment, like his star has risen to the point that, um, you know, he very well could be on head coaching radars this off season. He's doing a, an excellent job scheming things up, being creative, uh, doing things that Jared Goff does well. So he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, that being said, like, you know, as much as uh, we were critical of, of Brad Holmes for some of his defensive picks and, uh, you know, I know, you know, there are some questions about whether what Dan Campbell should do with with Aaron Glenn, like those two have, you know, the philosophy that they've um, followed and, and built offensively is, I mean, that's a big part of why this team is so successful, because you're right, Sean, this offensive line is really good and it hasn't matter who they've plugged into some of those spots. They can run the ball on anyone and it doesn't matter who's in the backfield. I mean, it's Jamal Williams, it's DeAndre Swift. Uh, you know, Craig Reynolds has even had a cut in nice carries and, and limited action. So when you can run the ball like they can run the ball, that just opens everything up offensively. And um, the Lions aren't I mean, look no one on this this offense was supposed to be a superstar, right? Like uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was a fourth-round pick, and DJ Chark was a second-rounder, and, you know, Josh Reynolds was, you know, cut by the Titans last year. And, you know, so the Lions are doing this with with guys that, that I don't know that most coordinators would be able to get this out of, but I think this is just like defensively, it's been sort of a collective failure of – lack of talent and scheme and coaching and everything. I think offensively, this is a collective success because there are so many good parts on offense. Uh, and, and Ben Johnson is doing a great job of implementing the vision that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have for the, the, the offense. You know, that's the, that's the problem. And I, I don't want to make this about defense again, but just that is the comparison. When you look at the offense, you tried to get doing. away from it. Sean. I did <laughs> try to, I did. I no, Carlos didn't want to talk about this because he hates offensive linemen. And he does. He thinks they're worthless, right? And no, no, no. I don't think he doesn't want to admit Sean, that they're the engine of this lead leading offense right they're, now. They're they're tremendously important. The way that you know uh, uh, sand and and dirt are important to building a house, but they're not the house. And Sean wants to spend every first round pick on offensive no, line. No, that's not reason. true. I just want Carlos to admit the dirty little secret in New England all those years. I mean, Brady was great. Obviously, proved that in Tampa. They had great offensive line play. Every year they made a run, right? 
And that never got talked about because it was all the ego, you know, Belichick and Brady. Anyway, oh, sorry, Carlos, go ahead. Yeah. No, the, the tight ends and Wes Walker and all these guys had nothing to do with it. But uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that no. they're important. Yeah, Brady and, didn't and, get and, time. What does it matter? Who's he going to throw to if he's on his back? Yeah. Randy Moss. So anyway, the, the point of it is that you, you are seeing what, what, um, Ben Johnson is doing with these guys, right? Um, when you're plugging in guys like, you know, Evan Brown and, and Dan Skipper, and you're still getting production out of your offensive line when you're, when you're making the most out of Amon Rossi and Brown, who had a, you know, that was the question with, with St. Brown, right? Was, was he for real or was it just a weak second half schedule where he really took off? Well, no, that was ben your Johnson, question. That wasn't the question. <laughs> St. Brown's St. Brown has proved me right. And I was correct about it. Okay. And it was actually Ben Johnson. Oh and, my God, and he's continued that. Um, but that's the problem, right? When you look at defense, it's like, well, why can't Aaron Glenn get more out of Kirby Joseph or Melifonwu or, you know, whoever it is that he's, he's not getting as much out of as he should um, because Ben Johnson seems to be doing it on the other side. Um, health, but health, yeah, the health. defense, the, the health has a lot to do with it for sure. That's, <laughs> that's to whisper, Dave. <laughs> I, well, you know, why can't he get more out of Kirby Joseph? Kirby Joseph has played one game. Yeah. So why can't he get more out right. of Anzu, yeah. No, no, no. That's, and that's fair. He's it's one game. He looked awful, but it was one game. Um, you know, <laughs> he got the highest look. I don't, you know, I haven't gone back and watched the all 22 yet, but he got the highest coverage grade among lions by uh, pro football focus for whatever that's worth. Kirby Joseph. He did. gave so, up two touchdowns uh, and he got the ha- highest grade. Well, look, what, what were look, they the drinking? One, over there? He got beat down the same. The, the other one, I, I don't know. You know, I assigned it to Kirby because Amani Awarie, you know, the one on the goal line, the little, little, you know, rub route that they had. Amani was sort of pointing like right away, like Kirby should go there. But typically the Lions trade off, you know, players out of a stack formation like that. So I, I don't know. I think PFF assigned that one to, to Amani. Who, who knows what the, the right one was. Regardless, uh, Sean, look to your point. Uh, and I don't, you know, PFF stuff isn't, you know, that's not gospel by any means. But um, when I wrote about the offensive line earlier this year, of the top seven PFF ranked offensive lines last season, six made the playoffs. One belonged to the uh, the Super Bowl champion LA Rams. So when you have that good offensive line in place, uh, that just helps. It's not, it's not so an accident unless the Lions yeah. have that. unless you have a generational defense. It's it's just not an accident, right? You just don't have to spend high draft picks to put that or a down. generational quarterback. Yeah, right, I, yeah. Carlos. I think you're right because a lot of teams don't like there. There are two schools of thought in the NFL, but however you do it, if you have an elite offensive line, that that means that means so outside of having that uh, you know elite quarterback, I think the that elite offensive line is probably the next most important thing in football. Uh, you could argue it would be that great, you know, generation and defense, almost like you said, Sean. Yeah, but, and you got to get lucky um, to do that without a t- without at least one first rounder on the line, right? There's there's a reason they all go so high. Yeah, no, that's why I think Brad deserves credit, just because. Look, you know, he inherited a team that, um, you know, Bob Quinn had drafted Taylor Decker and, and Frank Ragnow, and so he put some pretty good pieces in place. Jonah Jackson, right? Like Vitae, they brought in as a freezing. So they had a lot of pieces in place. And Brad looked at that and he said, you know, we're not satisfied with that. We want to make sure that this thing is going to be great for years to come. And so he spent that high pick on Sewell and, and that's who they, they wanted. And I, you know, I, I mean, look, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they have the Rams pick at 28 next year. If they took the best guard available or something like that, just to keep this, this sort of oh, monster no. that they have going, you know, it's something that, Hey, look, I'm not saying they're going to do that, right. They have so many holes on defense, but it wouldn't surprise me just knowing what, 
what Brad had, had told me, you know, that, that morning of his first draft was, you know, we want to build this, this beast, keep feeding the beast, just like they did with the Rams defensive line when they took Robert Quinn and then Michael Brockers and then Aaron Donald. And, you know, so they, 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 they stacked one high draft pick on top of another to, to form the best, most menacing defensive line they could. The lions are trying to do that offensively with their offensive line, because uh, as they've proven this year with a really good offensive line, they can do just about anything they want on that side of the ball. It's amazing how they're a couple of plays, right, Carlos? I mean, they really are. They're what three plays away from three and one. I mean, it's it's just yeah. it's just kind of and that and, yeah, but and, also it shouldn't. It really, if the defense was actually even anywhere close to being okay, they it wouldn't even be three. No, that, right? no, absolutely. If they, it, they might be four and oh, who knows, right? I mean, it, it, and we've talked about them in Philly in a completely different way. It's kind of crazy to think about that. You're right. If they were just even okay, you know, so it's, and that's, what's so hard, Dave. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I no. you're right. Because it's, it's weird. Like we were, I mean, you know, 10 minutes left in that Vikings game and we were looking at a four and one start, right. You looked at, wow, Seattle's not very good. And, and new England, who knows, right. You're maybe that's a game you can win on the road. And then all of a sudden things go awry at the end of that Vikings game. And then you get your teeth kicked in last week. And now instead of maybe looking at four and one, you're maybe looking at one and four and just there, it's such a, such a different feel. What's the combined total Carlos, like 11, 12 points and the three losses. I mean, it's uh, I think that's, and, and we don't have to, well, we can talk about this later in the season, but that's what's particularly painful. Carl's mentioned my boys. We're just talking about the fans in general. They see that it looks a little bit different, and yet how the it, the record's not. The record's still the same. You know, it feels different. It looks different. It's kind of fun to watch in a lot of ways, and yet the record's still the same. And that's here, very painful for a lot of people. And here's the scary part about it, as I mentioned about the coordinator situation and changing coordinators next year is – uh, let's just say if if Campbell is able if if Glenn is gone after the year, right? Let's say let's say it gets a little better, whatever, right? They 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 may they win a couple games. It's not as putrid as it as it is has has been recently. They get a little healthier, whatever. Um, are you going to stick with Glenn another year? Um, and if you don't, and you bring in another coordinator, then you know, he's probably going to change some coaches and it's going to be yet another year of, unless it takes off and catches fire, it's going to be another year. Well, we got to, it's got to take a little time, another year or two for this scheme, for the players to, you know, then you got to also coordinator comes in, brings in his own scheme. He's got to get the, Oh, we're going back to the three, four, you know, and then we got to bring in different linebackers and all this other stuff. It's like, how long is this going to take? I mean, this is the depressing part of this is this like, it's, it feels it feels like it could have been closer this year, and that's all. That's all I wanted this year. That's all I expected from the Lions: was six wins, showing some improvement, wild improvement on offense, terrible, you know, regression on defense. We are in the first week of October. Why are you trying to give me so much work in January with two two coordinator searches? I I'm, I'm I think both these guys are coming back. This is my daughter's eighth grade year. I got basketball that I need <laughs> to spend my January and February coaching. So. I'm confident that uh, Dan Campbell is going to do the right thing. Uh, NFL teams around this league are going to do the right thing and leave the Lions coordinators in place for well, let's, 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 quick, quick, well, quick, 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 quick poll. Sean is Ben Johnson a head coach next year or is no, he still the he's offensive still, coordinator? He's still offensive coordinator. Dave? Uh, still the offensive coordinator. Okay, he's a head coach next year. Write it down. We could add it to our bet sheet. We could add it to the bet. Uh, you know, I think, I, he's going to lose a little bit of sheen in New England, right? Because they're defensively, you know, 
I mean, it's just it's going to be a little bit trickier. You know, they're going to score 20 points at New England, probably lose 20, 23 to 20 or whatever. Well, you, don't, look, you don't understand how desperate, how desperate the NFL, how much coaching turnover is and how desperate they are, not only for for young minds and whatever, but especially offensive geniuses. They cannot if Kevin O'Connell can get a job, anybody can get a job. Dick. Wow, I think that was a shot at uh, Andrew right there. Yeah, no, he yeah, just dropped yeah, that they, one in for him. Great. But no, look, but he also came off a winning team. Like if exactly. the Lions go five and a five and twelve or something to your to your suggestion here that they're going to have to replace their defensive coordinator, like as bright as Ben Johnson may be, like that's a tough sell for a fan base. So how, it's wait, one wait, thing wait. if we're talking, how do you how do you say? Oh no, no, sorry, his defense sucked. We can't hire this offense coordinator. Like, what? How can you? Because you're not putting, once again, you're not putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and trying to see the life from a different perspective, like Dave just did. Listen to what Dave Dave, uh, said. Please. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Oh, no. No fan base. Fan bases are not going to support hiring an offensive coordinator who puts you didn't understand there was a fan base with the Lions until you saw my kids two weeks ago. So, Please listen to what <laughs> Andrew, Dave just Andrew, said. Andrew, can you mute Sean for a minute? We're gonna Dave and I are gonna have an adult discussion now. For, for a few this is ridiculous. Here. I Dave, I can't. I don't know how much more of this I can take. This. What are we betting? What's the bet? Yeah. Lunch. We lunch. always bet lunch. lunch. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna get two lunch. Two, hey fans, I'm gonna get two free lunches next year. All right, Dave. We just need you for a couple of more minutes because we got to wrap this show up, and we're gonna go into the segment called uh, uh, our, our favorite thing, my favorite thing. It's yeah, it's got to be my because it's Carlos. Any version of I. <laughs> so uh, my favorite thing. We'll let Dave start, and then I'll go, and then you can figure out how to do this. I don't. I can't remember if we've done this with you before, but it's quick. Yeah, I think we. Okay. Have. Favorite right. thing of the week. So right? yeah, exactly. Right. Go ahead, Carlos. Well, my favorite thing last week was. Um, I think it was going back to the to the stadium, Sean. It'd been been a couple of weeks since we'd been there, and uh, I really enjoyed. Not only I, I, what I really enjoyed is I was curious to see what was going to happen in in Ford Field if the, if the fans had lost interest because the week before that, I'd, as we said, I, I wrote about it. Spent the week with you and your boys. They were really disappointed about that Michigan lo- or Minnesota loss, and they were just as crazy as they were. You know, they were so into it. Um, they were with the team the whole way, even when they were losing. And in the fourth quarter, they came back a little bit, you know, they, they, they stuck with the team, you know, and I think that's been impressive to see it, it's still early in the season. Um, but I think that there's something I hate to admit it, Sean, but you're a little bit right or not wrong in this case is that <laughs> there is, there is some, something behind this team. And I think this speaks to yet again, my point, sorry to congratulate myself, but I have to do it. Um, the offense offense excites people. People come to watch offense. It does. And even if it's a blowout and you lose losing 48 to 45 feels better, I think than losing, you know, 17 to 13 or whatever it is. People or seven to three. Yeah. Or seven to three. So I was impressed with that. It, it's fun to go back there. It's fun to be around people. Mitch album was there. So we had a full crew. Um, there's something just kind of fun about being at a football game when you got your whole staff and, you know, you're 18 plus you, Sean. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's been really fun. What are you, so what are you name dropping that Mitch was there? Our colleague, I mean, what, what is sorry, this? Mr. Album. And by Mr. the way, Album. this Dave, this is nothing like what he says privately when he sees all those people because he wants all the glory <laughs> and or goes through the budget and says, oh my God, they're writing this, but not this. They're writing this, but not this. 
Oh, oh, you're confusing yourself with me, my 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 good I friend. I heard him you know. saying that the other day. I was like, "What? what why?" <laughs> and we talked about this. I keep saying, "Why are you worried about this?" Now it's oh, all the freepers are here together, and let's be glory. Let's be <laughs> glorious together. All right. My favorite thing is uh, one of these. Don't days, steal it. No, one of these days, Carlos will stop with the hypocrisy. No, Dave. I would say my favorite thing was the column he wrote about Aaron Glenn because I saw the headline <laughs> and I cringed. And then I read the column. I thought this is this is a nice, sophisticated, thoughtful, insightful piece. And um, and yeah, like you said, Dave, earlier, growth. That would have been my favorite thing. But is there anything better than stumbling across a, a TV show these days and realizing that uh, there's something you had? There's a series out there called A Halt and Catch Fire about the Texas computer scene in the night in the 1980s They ran on AMC that I knew nothing about and came across a list or somebody made her, somebody said, Hey, here's some underrated shows in the last 15 years and just started watching it. It's just, um, it's, it's a great period piece. It's a great kind of piece about a series about, uh, taking a chance and risk and what you go through to do things that ended up changing the world a little bit or a lot in this case. And that part's fun, but just this idea that, there's so much good content out there. So much good storytelling out there, guys, that uh, it's kind of fun to, to, to fun to stumble across something that, you know, is a little bit under the radar. So that was my favorite thing. Along with Carlos writing a really good column and uh, showing some adult restraint. Dave doesn't watch TV. He only, he only draws up plays for his basketball, <laughs> youth basketball teams, <laughs> which is also True, awesome. I, yeah. Yeah. That's basically the only TV I watch is when I'm flipping out a game to, until I can steal a play. So I, uh, I would say I feel you there, Sean, on, uh, on your favorite thing, but I can't tell you the last TV show I've really watched like that. So, uh, and, you know, guys, my favorite thing, I guess, I, I would say coming on with you guys because I enjoy oh. it. And, you know, uh, but I, I have to, you know, there is an I and Dave there in Burkett, right? <laughs> Dave, but David, David, right? So, yeah, uh, I, I yeah double this, I, this double I. Yeah, it's almost like Carlos. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Um, my favorite thing is, look, shout out to my daughter, Avery. She was, uh, she was named the uh, Scholar Athlete Award winner for uh, her cross country team, and for we've got a very good cross country team in the CYO. They'll probably win their second straight CYO championship next year. And uh, you know, I told her a few uh, years back, like, "Hey, man, as 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 proud as you know I am, and you should be of you know your you know athletic feats or you know you know the the work that you've put in to to be able to run like you do." Uh, it's more important that you be a, you know, a, a good student and, and mesh those two things. And she was named her, uh, her team scholar athlete award winner for the fall. So uh, shout out to my daughter. That's my favorite thing of the week. Oh, that's uh yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good response. I like that. Carlos, the humanity comes out uh, when you least expect it. I really, I really I really like that. Hey, man, thanks, uh, Dave. Thank you for joining us and spending all this time with us and uh, putting up with our, what do you call it, Carlos? Uh, shenanigans. Shenanigans. Good <laughs> work. <laughs> I like I it. do, too. I like that. I like that. Carlos is sharp, by the way, Dave. Uh, I know our, our listeners can't. Uh, yeah, we like to give them, we like to give them uh, you know, crap. I guess I can say that right Yeah, now, we can. We yeah. can. No, Sorry, Aunt Jeanette. In trouble now. Sorry, Aunt Jeanette, for being human. <laughs> Bleep it out. Uh, yeah. Uh, Anjanette wants that. No, he's, wants, he's a pretty bright dude, probably. At the end, of he the is, sometimes. he is sometimes. And Anjanette wants us to be robots, so don't say crap. <laughs> but uh, that's just how she rolls. It's another bleep, yeah. No, no, no. By the way, we need to, we need to, uh, 
We need to thank some people, Carlos. And let's thank the start. We, did we just thank Dave? I can't remember. We, we the, the great Dave Burkett. Yeah. Screw well, it. We'll he, only came, he, only, he only came on because we gave him like, uh, you know, Marriott points on his gift card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that, that's a good, fresh joke. <laughs> the donuts yesterday. Yeah, that's, that's, a nice, donuts that's a nice, yesterday. fresh joke there, Carlos. Um, let's thank Dave again for joining us. Who else are we going to thank, uh, Mr. Menars? We have to thank the great Andrew Hammond producer, who's finally who's back after a, a one week uh, hiatus. So uh, we're, we're welcoming him back. Yes, and, uh, executive producers, co-executive producers on Jeanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford, and the big guy editor Peter Batia. And what else do we need to do? We need to tell people where to find this. Uh, I don't know where to find this it. shenanigan, messy podcast. Go to go to com. Go through all the Dan Orlovsky tape, and then you can find it on Apple or Spotify. Yes, but yeah, exactly. Or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Lastly, uh, what what do we need to do? We need to thank the listeners for joining us. The listener, our listener, the listener. Yes, thank the you, listener. Yeah, thank you so much for spending time with us. We've uh, we've had fun. It's always fun, and we will be back next week and talk to you then. Bye.